welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Justin Bizarro. You can also find the podcast at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, everyone, who's been reaching out. Uh, yes, we are still planning on doing the summit uh, June 3rd and 4th in Milledgeville, Georgia, the Food and Beverage Entrepreneur's Summit will still go on. Even if we don't do it in person, we will stream it online uh, via Facebook and YouTube to anyone who's registered for the event. So the tickets are free. You register at Eventbrite to get your tickets. And that ensures that either you can be there in person if we dist- if we move forward with in person. And if not, we will be streaming it all to your guys in your homes or wherever you are. Um, but you will need a ticket in order to receive that streaming. So that being said, I have today with us again um, my co-host, Sandra Vaughn. How are you doing today, Sandra? I am well, thank you. And so that being said also, uh, Sandra, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background before we introduce our guest? Yes, uh, Justin, thank you for allowing me to co-host with you. Uh, my name is Sandra Vaughn. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I have been one for more than 25 years. I have um, started my career as a pediatric dietitian and then um, flipped uh, to become a geriatric dietitian. And then most recently, in the last 10 years, I've been in the food service space doing regulatory compliance um, and also doing food and beverage commercialization most recently with food service partners. And uh, I, I kept my toes in the, uh, in the geriatric space because I, I love working with, uh, with uh, senior nutrition. So that's, that's been a love of mine. I'm recently bowed out, but um, I'm excited uh, about our new projects in Georgia. Thanks, Sandra. Um, and I wanted the audience to know I received about 15 messages over the last two days, and the couple of days before that, probably another six um, messages through DM and through email about our next guest um, who has been on the podcast before about two weeks ago, or actually last month, I guess it was. And regarding her products um, and the health and maybe the benefits to help fight the coronavirus. So I, um, I decided to ask her to come back on. Um, obviously, we don't know how much it helps scientifically, but I think there are ways and ways we can eat that help our immune system um, and boost it to handle things like viruses and being sick and stuff like that. So that being said... We have back on Ginger Butts of Back to the Basics 101. How are you doing today, Ginger? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. And it's interesting, um, and I want to say this, and we can get into Ginger's products and Back to the Basics 101, but one of the things we talked about was elderberries and her production of that. And um, if people really latched onto it because they're like, oh, the health benefits and all this. And I believe, Ginger, you've had a surge in business since the coronaviruses and the quarantines have happened for your elderberries products. Yes, absolute explosion. We're very grateful. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about why you think people are, are buying more elderberry products from you. Well, two years ago, there was a flu epidemic. 
and uh, the mass media validated that um, elderberries does in fact help fight the flu and reduce flu symptoms. And because the media said it, everybody believed it. And so people like me who are doing herbal remedies, you know, as parents for our family and such, we're rolling our eyes in the back of our head because, I mean, we didn't really need validation because we were doing it and it was effective and that was enough, you know. But, um, but since then, there have been scientific studies that have been published that do um, say that elderberry is antiviral and it fights um, specifically the flu and can reduce flu symptoms in the flu time. And that's when the media, um, you know, declared that. And I know it was two years ago because I was building my building at the time and our sales really surged then. And I say it helped build our building. Um, so, so I was very, um, I, I was very grateful for the media validating it. Um, and, um, when, when the coronavirus, um, became what it is, um, known to us and such, um, everybody wanted elderberries like they want toilet paper, honestly. <laughs> That's an interesting scenario or comparison, but it it, it is kind of true. And the and the people are asking is how do I get it? And I'm like, well, I'm, go to the website and order, or go to Amazon. Just there's the ability to order it, so go there. I'm sure Ginger has a bunch of it. But it was interesting, and then the the wanting more knowledge about it and and why and and stuff like that. And you know, it's interesting. You can't always explain why. It's like, why should you eat local honey if you have allergies? For most people, I wouldn't say all people, it helps with your allergies when you eat local honey. It helps introduce those allergens in a different way to you. And for some reason, your body processes them and gains immunity, for lack of a better term, um, to those allergens. So it's kind of the same. Elderberries, it, we don't know exactly how it works. and But what it does is we do know that based on its properties that it helps fight things like the flu. So this being a virus, you know, similar to influenza is, um, it's a way to boost our immune systems. And I really want to dive into it and Sandra jump in if you have any questions, but let's talk about your concept as a business overall. And, you know, you talked about you've always known this, but talk about your herbal remedies that you use in your home. You know, outside of the products that you produce, so back to the basics, I mean, let's really dive into how you treat problems through food. Well, um, I, 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 I guess I'm like a flower child or whatever because <laughs> I'll just, I mean, I'll just, I, my whole philosophy is if God created it, is for our health and our healing. And so I try to get as much of his creation in me in the best form possible. And so, um, so honestly, anything that he created, you can read up on and find out scientifically um, how it helps, you know, certain conditions or what different benefits it has. Um, Going back to elderberries, elderberries has a, a, a bunch of vitamin C in it. And vitamin C, um, everybody knows vitamin C boosts your immune system. Um, so, because, you know, there's um, national products that are synthesized that are, you know, powder vitamin C and such. How much better to get vitamin C from the source? 
Um, and in my particular um, product, elderberries and more, I don't just have elderberries in it. That's the predominant ingredient. But I also have rosehip and hibiscus because they're one of the best sources of vitamin C on the planet. Um, so, so you're getting like a triple whammy of vitamin C in our um, in our product. And so let's talk about that a little bit. So basically, the elderberries are giving you a, a boost to your immune system, and, and they're helping fight things because, you know, on top of the coronavirus, there's all this stress and fear going on. So when stress and fear happen, our immune systems weaken. So this is a way, and why there's the huge rush to the elderberries is, is to help build it back up, number one. And number two, if it doesn't need building back up, it's boosting it to be that much stronger to fight something like this that we're dealing with right now. Right. Justin, I wanted to add that... Um Did we lose you, Sandra? I think we lost Sandra. Oh. But it's okay. Oh. Wait. You there? Sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> my, my AirPod went away. Um, I was saying that vitamin C is a nutrient that's a very unstable. So it it doesn't always what, – what we get from our food versus what we get from a supplement are very different. Um on so many different levels for one thing because vitamin c is unstable you know it's it comes packaged from from nature you know and and i have to agree with ginger that i've said in my practice 20 some years ago that if it was something that god created then it was something that we should pay attention to and consume so the beautiful thing about vitamin c is it comes packaged in nature in in components that protect it from um from becoming destabilized so that when we consume it from food we um you know it, it's that much more bioavailable to us to boost our immune systems um so Yes, we do supplement. I, I do take supplements, but at the same time, if you can get your uh, vitamin C in particular from food, you're going to get a much more bioavailable um, nutrient. Plus, it acts in synergy with other nutrients that are in that food. So that boosts, the uh, again, the bioavailability and um, nutrient absorption as, as well. So glad, glad to hear that. So Ginger, let's um, let's talk about your other products and the health benefits, and we'll we'll circle back around on on health. And we've talked about them before, but I want to reemphasize it because people are asking: is why um, why are your products healthier? What 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 do you do to them that makes them different than what else is out there? For example, your your baked items and and things like that. I think the better question is what do I not do to them? <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Right? So yeah. our first product started um, with um, the wheat my husband grows, and I mill it into flour. And so fresh milled flour um, is as close to the point of nutrition as you can get because when you get grains, they, I mean, they can um, last for thousands of years. And once you mill them, then, then you know, you release the um, nutrients when they begin to oxidize and st such. So um, so our homemade baking mix has come from fresh milled flour, and you can't get that off the shelf. 
And so any of our homemade baking mixes, I say that's as close to a wheat field as you're going to get when you eat pancakes or brownies um, from the mixes that we make. Um, and then the plant protein blend um, is just simply five organic seeds. It's, it's not rocket science. It's just five organic seeds. And um, I have a registered dietitian nutritionist, Sandra, that works with me. And she just graduated like two years ago. So she's a wonderful asset. And um, she calculates um, all the nutrition data and stuff so we can put it on the label. And so we just... Um, came up with a formula and um, put the data, uh, nutrition data on it. And so my plant protein is just five seeds and we mill it. And, and if you look at any other plant, plant proteins, there's so many ingredients you can't pronounce. So um, there's that. And then we talked about the elderberry and then our latest is our ranch seasoning. I'm so proud of it. Because everybody in the South, I don't know if it's like just a Southern thing or something. Do y'all up there <laughs> like ranch seasoning a lot like they do down here? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kids. Same in Colorado. Yeah, I was going to say the oh, yeah. kids eat My ranch kids everything. I want ranch on everything. Okay. So the first ingredient in the national brand is dextrose, which is a form of sugar. And it's like, why, people, why? <laughs> and then the third ingredient is MSG. We're all familiar with that. And then there's like five to eight other ingredients that you can't even pronounce. So everybody loves ranch, but it's just it's just a bottle of not good for you stuff. So I came up with a ranch seasoning, and it's just seven organic herbs. And that's it. Just seven organic herbs, and I nailed it. And you add whatever um, dairy or non-dairy alternatives to it, and you can enjoy a dip or a dressing um, without all the poison. <laughs> and so, I mean, Sandra, do you want to chime in on, like, sort of what it means on the back of the labels? Because I think this is a good chance to sort of educate people on on reading the labels. Mm. Sure. So a lot of times the in ingredient label has words that, to Ginger's point, we just can't pronounce. <laughs> Most of those are in there to perform some function of food stabilization, whether it's stabilizing the texture or whether it's stabilizing the product for, from a food safety standpoint to prevent the microbial growth that we, we don't want to get in a shelf-stable product. So, um, you know, having having folks like Ginger that, you know, will develop that seasoning mix for us and make it so that I'm not preparing it every, you know, every week or so in my home and, and making it available to me, um, but yet making it clean label. And we do know that it's we, we talk a lot about the one percent and it's it's not necessarily the accumulation of just eating um, a, an unclean label ranch dressing, but if you think about the accumulation of your day over over all the foods that you eat, you're getting a lot of chemicals that aren't aren't found in nature. They're man-made, um, and yes, our bodies can process them, um, but. For some people, some genetic profiles, they don't process them as well, and, and they end up chemicals get stored in um, our fatty tissues. We get it gets stored in our liver. So some folks detox those those items better than others. Um, but I think 
you know, there's a big push now and, and there really has been in the last 10 years to try to go as clean label as possible. So I'm grateful to folks like Ginger that are, are, are doing that for us, making it more convenient. Well, and I want to, I want to just give an example of this. If anyone's ever gone to, to California or someplace around the world, they have bans on fish. Um, because you can't fish them because there's a buildup of, say, mercury in them. Well, mercury is a chemical that the fish, the fish are ingesting, so therefore it's unsafe for us to ingest that chemical from the fish. And so these are the kind of things that we're talking about, and it's not that eating the fish once may do damage. It could, don't get me wrong, but if you accumulate enough times of eating that fish that mercury then could build up in your own system chemically so that's sort of what we're talking about here like one time of course it's safe and and obviously for consumption of one product but what happens when we start accumulating in our body or as sandra said the fatty tissues so similar to not eating that fish that has mercury in it that's where it's stored for the fish and the fatty tissue or the meat is you know how do we eat better without accumulating those things in our life? And, and we don't know. I mean, in all honesty, we've only started using some of these chemicals and preservatives more recently. You know, there's people still alive that ate food as they were younger without any preservatives in them. So we really don't know the long-term impact or where we're going with this in general. But we do know that as consumers, we're becoming more educated in that we are starting to look at the labels and demand healthier options and i think what everyone says the easiest thing to know whether or not it's okay and it's not going to have chemicals in it is can you pronounce everything on the back of the label you know do you recognize it as a whole food source for example and i think that that's important and ginger i wanted to get back to something that you said um and i want to dive into this because one of the first times i met you you really talked about this is what is the difference between the way we process flour on a commercial level versus the way you process flour on your own? So at the turn of the 20th century, there was a governor in Minnesota. His last name was Killsbury. And he brought over, he and his nephew brought over the first steel rolling mills. And um, prior to that, um, everyone um the, the poor people would have like the brown flour and the brown bread and the wealthier people would have the white flour and the white bread and when the steel rolling mill came on the scene um everybody was on the same um, playing field when it came to white flour and bread and such and the people loved it and demanded more and um 10 to 30 years later there were two epidemics in america um, Pellegra and Berry Berry. Sandra, you know about that? <laughs> yes, but you better fill in the details. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's so fascinating to me because they're both the result of a vitamin B deficiency, and wheat is one of the best sources of vitamin um, Bs. And um, what a steel rolling mill does is there's three parts to a um, wheat kernel, and um, steel rolling mill takes out the um, Oh, my goodness, the bran, the germ, and all that's left is the endosperm, and that's where the gluten is. And um, and and so all people were getting was the endosperm, which is virtually 
lifeless. There's, there's like no, no nutrients in it. And, um, one, there's two epidemics. One was a digestive system disorder and one was a nervous system disorder. And I had heard it said that in the South, the sanitariums were overflowing because in the South, um, we made biscuits. Um, and so, um, it's just so interesting to me, historically, reading about it. And the government made the connection, went to the miller, said, you know, um, we need to not take this out. And um, they had a lucrative market because one was going to animal feed and um, one was going somewhere to another industry. And um, that's when they compromised and came up with um, – the term enriched and they add added four vitamins well maybe the initially it was three vitamin b's and one mineral iron and then in 96 they added a fourth vitamin b folic acid and um and so now out of the 35 to 40 nutrients that's in fresh milk flour off the shelf um coming through still rolling mill you're getting um five vitamins and minerals and ours, we put the whole berry in a mill, and it grinds between two stones, and it comes out ground from the whole thing. Because we're so primitive, you know. Um, so, so we're not mass-produced, and, and we wouldn't be mass-produced because it would, we would lose what we do if we did. So we just keep it small, and we mill it, and... It's the whole berry, so you're getting all the nutrients. So, so many people who are not able to tolerate um, mass-produced wheat or are allergic to gluten. Now, I'm not talking about celiac people, but I'm just talking about gluten-sensitive or wheat intolerant. Are able to tolerate fresh milk flour because it's the whole berry that they're getting. And I, I think, too, um, with the addition of... With the addition of folic acid, what we know now is some people can't convert folic acid to folate. So the addition of the folic acid form in in your terms in the terminology enriched or fortified um, can actually be more detrimental to people that can't to, that can't convert it. And that's just something we've learned maybe in the last five to ten years. Um, I was just looking through my cabinet, and I have um, some of your banana bread, Ginger, oh, here cool. at my house in Virginia. I'm so excited. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I'll do while I'm self-quarantined. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, I, so, I mean, to take it full, full circle, and I want to just connect the pieces, is it's not like – what happened is when we industrialized food is we took shortcuts um, for profitability, basically. And when we took the shortcuts for profitability, we started robbing the food of its nutrients or its benef natural benefits to human beings. Um, and while it's important we figure out how to extend shelf life, there's ways that we can do it naturally that don't impact the quality of the food. As we said, a lot of that stuff as Sandra pointed out, is, you know, it's in there to extend shelf life. So yeah, it's, it's how do we, you know, 
you know, do it differently. In Europe, people grocery shop more often, so they bring in fresh products. They stop multiple times a week, where we're used to being only shopping once a week or every two weeks or whatever it is we're used to as American because we have that mm, net, we have that shelf life, you know, where we can get our products to last that long. So, you know, that's just something to think about and what we're talking about here. And when it comes to a situation like we're going through right now, um, with the coronavirus, it's yes, you can buy a lot of shelf stable goods, cans of soup, so on and so forth, you know, bottles of tomato sauce, all of that. But you're, we're, it's time as you read them, this is a good time while you're in your home to read the labels of these items. Why are they shelf stable? Why do they last so long? Some, some of it's procedure, like heat, you know, that's in a can or preserving something. Uh, such as jams and jellies that may preserve because of the way they're packaged and they're handled and they create their own sort of environment for food safety and shelf life. And other ones add unnatural or unnormal, I should say, things to them. So there's natural ways to do it, there's process ways to do it, and then there's chemical ways to do it. The ways we're really talking about is the chemicals um, in those foods that can cause reactions. So, I mean, it's really taking the time to educate yourself on what is healthy and what's not um, from your standpoint and then what reacts what food reacts to and what doesn't and I have a gluten sensitivity um, I also have a white potato sensitivity but I would have never known until I tried life without bread how sensitive or the stomach aches I had all the time or the just constant cramps and like I just thought it was part of life it's happened my whole life I didn't really think anything of it until it wasn't there anymore you know you know and that started about eight years ago you know where I started noticing it do I eat gluten and bread every once in a while yeah of course but one of the interesting things that happens is Deborah and I go over to Europe a lot and when we're over there I have no reaction to most of the gluten if it's a store-bought bread, I have a reaction. But if it's really natural in an environment from a bakery, I don't have the reaction. And a lot of it is is the way they're processing it. Depending on what part of Europe, I'm making a very general statement, obviously. But it's an interesting thing that has happened. You know, and something just messing with the plant that little bit and not giving it to us in its natural form has caused that reaction. And not to mention the, the inflammation inflammation properties that happen with you know things like that so are they worse or are they better you know i don't know but you know when you clean it up products like gingers i don't have the reaction you know i don't have the stomach aches i don't have it and believe me within a few minutes of eating bread i can already tell my stomach starting to hurt i can already feel my hands start to peel and, and have a weird reaction but if it's done properly i don't have the reaction it's a very interesting thing um for me so i understand and i'm an advocate of what you're doing for sure ginger so i think that's important that we recognize that we don't really know as human beings what's working and what's not for us because we're so used to the commercial food model we're not really sure what food works better for our bodies and what doesn't and and we're we're a very complicated machine like what what fuels you better may not fuel me better but we need to experiment with it and the only way to do that is really try natural whole ingredients 
and and items and see what works and what doesn't work and then try to stay as fresh and natural with your diets as possible what do you think sandra absolutely and there's enough uh evidence just if in looking at the number of folks that are doing um, clean, clean eating and the improvement that they have in so many different types of symptoms, whether it's brain fog or whether it's, um, you know, just being tired, things improve when they improve their diet to a whole foods diet. And there is a lot of discussion about what the, the trend of the day is, whether it's, um, you know, pegan or paleo or carnivore. There's a whole lot out there that we could talk for days and days and days about. But I think at the end of the day, the best, most sound advice I would give as a dietitian is as many whole foods in the unprocessed state as you can get in a day. Um, you know, that's that's where your nutrient your nutrient density comes from. Yeah, I agree. You're not Sandra. <laughs> so, Ginger, I want to, um, as we start to wrap things up, I think we've really got a lot of great content in there. Um, let's talk about ways people, well, one, let's talk about how people can order the elderberries from you, and let's talk about different ways they can use the elderberries to integrate it into their lifestyle to sort of help boost their immune system like we discussed. So what are some of your suggested usage for it? Okay, so when I said elderberries like toilet paper, um, it's for real. There is no elderberry available in the United States right now. And so um, right before everything went crazy, um, God had prepared me without me knowing this was coming. And so I had um, lots of elderberry. And then when I found out that it was um, fixing to disappear, I was able to make another big order. <laughs> so we have lots of elderberry and it is available on Amazon, but we can't keep up. They're selling it faster than we can get it to them because literally we hand pack every single one. We weigh out the elderberry because it's the prominent ingredient. Um, and so you, anybody can order it on my website at backtothebasics101.com, and we will keep those um, orders. We will fill those orders. I'll cut off Amazon before I'll cut off, you know, like um, my community and people in my area, and that includes, you know, people um, in my virtual community too. So we'll keep enough available to be able to provide for my people. Um, and ways to use it is, um, honestly, I just, okay. So I wrote on the package, take one tablespoon, um, daily for maintenance, take, um, one to two tablespoons every few hours as needed. Cause you can't make any claims because I mean, you, I mean, we really like you, somebody said, we don't know what might work for you. doesn't work for me. And so if you're under the weather, take it every couple hours till you feel better. If you're doing it just to be proactive, to boost your immune system, um, 
just listen to your body. Take it once a day. Take it twice a day. You know, however aggressive you want to be with it, you can't overdose on it. I mean, you can overdose drinking water, but who does that? And it does taste really good. A lot of people say it tastes like Christmas because it's got cinnamon and clove in it also. So it does taste real yummy. Um, but the directions are super simple. So you just follow the directions on the package and then listen to your body and take it as you need it. Um, and then I'll take it a step further. I'll take it two steps further. Um, when you get through making it, you've got this bag full of all these wonderful organic herbs that have so many great properties in it. And so I, um, I, I am drying out the herbs now in the oven so that I can have hot tea at night. Um, or you can just um, boil it again and have a diluted form of elderberry tea in your refrigerator and add some um, ground leaf stevia um, leaves to it to sweeten it. And then that way you have something to drink besides water and it's still boosting you on a diluted level. Um, and then I'll take it another way, like... Um, if you're a baker, you could um, take the cinnamon stick out and puree the herbs, the pulp, into um, almost like a paste and then make a quick bread with it. So you could follow a banana bread recipe or a pumpkin bread recipe. Instead of using bananas or pumpkin, you can put the elderberry pulp in it. So that's another good way to get it in you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So thanks, uh, Ginger, for joining us. And thank you, Sandra, for hopping on and, and adding your insight as well. And thank you, everyone in the audience, for listening. And if you have other questions, uh, please feel free to reach out to Ginger directly or Sandra directly. I will put their uh, information, their Instagrams on the post as I post the podcast. Um, and you can DM them directly if you have any questions. So thank you guys very much. Thank you. Nice chatting today. Thanks, Ginger. Thank you.